this. I always love this part. <laughs> oh my goodness. Hey, welcome to the Younger Bipolar. I am your host, Nation, aka Sean Zierra. That's S-H-O-N-Z-I. Taboo with you. Today we are with a future tech sergeant, the CEO of Always Pay It Forward, the one, the only, Corey Smith. Hey brother, how's your mental health? Hey man, how's it going? Thank you for that beautiful intro. He's making me sound like an all-star, which I am. Thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of mental health, man, you know, you gotta speak that positivity. Always. Speak positive things into fruition. My mental health is, is good right now. We're going through some trying times right now, some troubling waters, but hey, we're persevering. We're marching forward. So happy to be here. Well, what troubling waters are you going through? What What are you trying to persevere through? When I say me, I mean we as a whole, we as Americans, we as human beings, because this global pandemic is affecting us all in some shape, form, or fashion. What? How are a couple of ways that you're dealing with this craziness that we're all experiencing right now honestly from a military personnel station abroad i feel like i'm not as heavily affected by it so some of the ramifications that my stateside counterparts are going through i honestly can say that i'm a bit oblivious to those because here i'm not really seeing that so i guess i'm not really affected as much and i can't really answer that question appropriately so when it comes to like your other counterparts back to the states right you have some friends who are telling you stories about something that they might be going through some of their struggles some of their pains even though you're abroad and you're seeing everything from like the outside in or is there any advice that you would give people to try to help guard their mental health or sanity if you will with everything that's going on the biggest thing I would say right now is camaraderie or collaboration, partnering together, coming together, and just trying to get through it together. Because honestly, this is something right now that we haven't been through before, especially for a person like me. I'm 25 years old. I've never experienced this before. So definitely bending together is the number one piece of advice I would give to anyone of any age from any demographic. Stick together. Because we is greater than me. We got to do it together. What are some of the, how would you tell people to stick together? What I've noticed a lot is that people are trying to go to their own battle stations, right? And so it's like, if you don't agree with all I agree with, then somehow, some way, some shape, some form, we may be enemies. So how do you take mm -hmm. opposing views and try to bring them together to bring this coalition that you believe they can be? Honestly, man, it's just about shedding light on things. Sometimes people may not know that they don't know things. If you've ever taken college courses on philosophy or maybe communications or anything like that, you've heard of the Jahari window, right? And you know that there are four pains to that Jahari window. And one of those pains is knowing things that you do know. And then the other one is knowing things that you don't know. So a lot of times you as a mediator or someone from an outside perspective, you have to be able to intervene and like say, hey, this is something that I can see is going on. And you try to bridge that chat or be that mediator or facilitator. And a lot of times most people don't even realize that they're doing the things that they're doing. 
And then once you bring it to their attention, it's like, okay, we can break bread, we can work together. And so that's just something I would do. I would try to have a impartial view, a unbiased view, and just try to bridge people together, man. So like I say, it's a community. And we is greater than me. That is true. Um, when it comes to, you know, bridging people together and being like an arbitrator, if you will, one of the biggest things that you have to have is tact. And when it comes to being tactful and having these conversations, how do you give constructive criticism? Definitely with somebody as, you know, as an NCO, give constructive criticism, but garner a positive result based off the constructive criticism that you gave, because not a lot of people want to hear what they need to work on. <laughs> yeah, that is true, man. A lot of us, myself included, sometimes I, I may think, hey, I get feedback and I don't like it. No, that person can't be right. But we have to take it upon ourselves, right? It's really incumbent upon the individual person to realize, okay, maybe if one person said, okay, maybe it's not super true. But if two people said, if three people said, if four people said, now 10 people are saying the same thing that first person said, okay, maybe it's true. Maybe there are some things I need to work on. And me as an NCO or me just as a person, you mentioned tact, right? I'm someone who likes to gather all the facts. I can't just hear one perspective and then go based on that or hear somebody else's perspective and go based on that, right? I usually tell people I will not harbor judgment until I have all the facts. And if I don't have them and someone needs me to, to deliver that message to someone, then I'll just try to say, like I mentioned earlier, I'll try to give a impartial and unbiased review or message to that person. But if it's something that's time sensitive, then okay, then we'll have a different discussion then. Okay, so let me put you in a situation where it is time sensitive. Now what? It depends on what the message is, right? And depends on what the person did or what the person is doing and what message someone needs me to convey to said person, right? So if, let's say if it's life or death, right? Mm -hmm. If it's life or death and lives are in jeopardy, I'm going to do whatever I have to do to make sure that you understand like, hey, we need you to do this, right? Because if you don't X, Y, Z, numbers of lives are going to be lost, right? Yeah, or, totally or this amount of dollars is going to be lost. So it's it's really dependent on the situation. So I can't give a cookie cutter or blanket statement for whatever scenario because it, it really varies on a day-to-day -day basis. All right. And so what I want to do is just kind of pivot a little bit. I want to pivot to the left because I want to get, I want the audience to know a little bit more about you, right? Okay. So you have this company that you call always pay it forward can you tell me a little bit why you call it always pay it forward can you tell me where the idea came from and <laughs> what do you hope to accomplish okay i can definitely do that so i'm, I'm gonna change that order up from what you asked me okay i had the idea one day i was sitting on my couch i'm doing homework i'm doing my environmental science class and i'm like man this class is really really interesting I never saw myself as a environmentalist or whatever, but as I'm doing the class and I'm saying like, hmm, I'm having these revelations like, man, yeah, humans are very wasteful. We do waste water, we do waste non-renewables, we do waste whatever it may be. And I was like, man, I definitely wanna change. I don't wanna continue to do that. And then I had this epiphany, which is where APIF, A -P -I -F, always paid forward came from. Okay. And I was like, man, I've been doing these classes, right? And I told you about them, right? Yep. Because I had, I heard 
that um maybe October 1st, fiscal year changes, there's going to be some budgeting and maybe some things are going to be cut out. And so I said, man, I've gotten two, $2,800 worth of class. I want to make sure somebody else gets this $2,800 worth of class for free. And I was like, hey, it's all about paying it forward. It's about making a change. So that's where the idea came from, starting with that one idea from doing my environmental science homework to starting with a scholarship and then starting with the, the financial literacy piece, always wanting to pay it forward. Tell me more about the scholarship piece. Um, so what I have right now is exactly what I told you earlier, right? I want someone, preferably someone with no college experience, they've never done the general, the general studies, and the scholarship is going to provide them with that. I, like I said, I saved $2,800 from it. So if I can help someone else do that, I definitely want to do that. And as the business grows, and as I, I move to different states or different countries, I want to be able to give that money back whether it be $1,000 or $2,000 to a underprivileged student so that they can go forward and gain that education, but they won't have that financial burden or they won't have those loans which is gonna hinder their progression. So that's what I wanna do and that's part of my plan, my long-term plan. A lot of what you're describing is a lot of education with finances, right? Yeah. So we're talking about financial literacy. Me and you talk all the time about financial literacy yeah. and try to get into the weeds about stocks, bonds, you know, options and whatever. How are you personally with Always Pay It Forward going to start teaching financial literacy on top of the scholarship that you offer? And we can See? dive into my rant <laughs> that I had the other day. <laughs> okay. Um, I was working earlier. I was doing this PowerPoint, working on an ebook as well. Uh, I call it financial literacy, right? Financial literacy, but I capitalize the LIT because it's lit, man. We're gonna have a great time. We're gonna get down into the weeds. We're gonna understand money. I want people to really understand how much does a dollar cost, right? Because if you remember that famous Albert Einstein quote, right? Where he said that compound interest is the eighth wonder of the world. He who understands it, earns it. He who does not, pays it. Man, I just want to help people do that. So I'm putting together that class right there, man, because I'll tell you right now, back in my day when I was younger, 19, <laughs> 20, I'm only 25, right? But in my first duty station, when I say back in my day, that first duty station, right? I'm blowing money left and right, living paycheck to paycheck. I took a huge toll on my mental health. And that's why I want to help people avoid those pitfalls that I did because I don't have anyone to teach me that. My parents didn't teach me that because their parents didn't teach them that. When I first came in, my NCOs didn't teach me that. And so I want to be that NCO that teaches those younger people or even the older people to how to gain that financial literacy. Because we know, right, when you're in debt, when you're struggling to pay those bills, when you're living off a dollar menu, that takes a huge toll on your mental health. And it's, it's very, it's, it's a very big thing. So I just want to help people avoid that. Very true. Very true. Now I'm going to highlight myself. So I, I went on a ledge and I come from the position where most people don't understand the financial game. It's easy to get introduced to financial literacy. It is hard to consistently go through the deep waters. It's hard to swim in those waters, though, because there's a lot of things that you have to sacrifice. So I went on this rant saying, I don't believe people should have credit cards. Because I don't think that people, most people, because everybody's living paycheck to paycheck, everybody's buying things 
majority of I don't want to say majority. I would just say a lot because I don't have a percentage. A lot of Americans <laughs> are buying things that they <laughs> they don't have money for. And so my position was, A, just don't use a credit card because you don't <laughs> understand the leverage of a credit card. But you said that you want to go ahead and try to counter my point. So help me out. Counter my right. point. <laughs> How you, you certainly hit the, the nail on the head, right? We do have a staggering amount of consumer debt. And you also mentioned that a lot of people don't know how to use it, right? Which is why I wanted to give them that financial literacy and give them that understanding. This is how you use it, right? Don't overextend. If you can't afford $1,500 for a credit card payment, if you don't have $1,500 in liquid money in your bank account to pay that money, then don't go rack that debt up, right? Because a lot of us, we're outliving our means, right? Where our output exceeds our input. And that's something that I'm trying to help people understand, right? So once you, you get that literacy or you get that education and you want to learn, because that's the biggest thing right there. We've all heard that saying, right? You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. True. So I, I can lay this blueprint out for you and show you how to save money or how to invest or how to do whatever it may be. But if you don't take it upon yourself to follow that information and to take heed, then you'll never get there. But if you do... One of my things that I start off with in my ebook is teaching people how to get into the weeds and analyze what are my expenditures? What are my unnecessary expenditures? Okay, we're gonna slash those. What are my debts? How quickly can I pay my debt off if I slash said expenditure? So we do that, right? And then eventually you do that over a period of time and then you'll reach a point where you have no more debt. Now, once you're debt free, what do you do with that excess money or that money where you're in the black, where you, where you have these excess proceeds or profits? And then I, I, tell, I tell them how to invest those. And even if they say, okay, maybe I'm, I'm afraid of investing, I start giving them education or I'll, I'll send them to directions. Maybe I don't have all the knowledge, right? But I'll send them somewhere where they can learn more. And then we start going from there. Going from there, what I like to do is I point somebody to somebody super easy, super plain. You heard me say it before. I point him to Dave Ramsey. I'm like, here, follow these baby steps. I'm going to give them to you. Number one, save about $1,000 in an emergency fund. Number two, let's get that debt snowball rolling. Let's start paying off your smallest debts and then increase your debt. If, let's, let's just start off with those two. Because if, you know, I think it's what, I want to say it's like 60% of Americans. I think that's the percentage. I forgot it now. But I think it's super close where 60% of Americans live paycheck to paycheck. So obviously, mm -hmm. they don't have, 60% of Americans don't have $1,000 in the emergency fund if they live in paycheck to paycheck. Right. Right? I think it's 40% of Americans who, this is actually true, 40% of Americans don't have over $800 to actually pay for something in an emergency. Oh, wow. That's so if a... that is the case, let's make that step number one. Yes, we, we gotta change analyze. that. We can analyze everything that we can, that we want, but we ain't mm -hmm. got the money. <laughs> and I'm going to start racking up that credit card regardless. <laughs> right. And that's why I said, right, we got to slash those unnecessary expenditures, right? So if I have my Amazon, that's $10 a month. I have my Google Music or my YouTube Music, that's $10 a month. I have my Netflix, that's $10 a month. Okay. I have my whatever, Advanced Pandora, maybe that's 5 or $10 a month. I have my Disney Plus, and that's $20 a month, whatever it may be. Do I really need all those? Right. And then you still you have to have that 
you know, that wants versus need. I want those things, but I don't need those things. Right? Yes. And a lot of people, let's say every morning they go and they get a Starbucks or every morning they go and they get that McDonald's breakfast sandwich or they go and get this whatever it may be. Yeah. So they don't, they don't even realize it, right? That they're spending sometimes 15, 20, 30 dollars a day every day, Monday through Friday. If they work Monday through Friday, they're spending $25 a day. Let's, let's keep things simple. $25 a day, right? Yeah. Times five. How much is that? $125 a week, four weeks and a month, right? That's true. Come on. That's $500 a month you're spending right there on things you don't need. You could buy your food, grocery store, cook breakfast. And say if I have five hundred dollars a month, and then let's go back to those unnecessary subscriptions. Do you really need all those? Do you need need that Disney Plus? Do you need that Netflix? Do you need that Pandora or that Apple Music or that Google Google Music, right? And so you can start cutting from those as well. But it's really about saying where am I wasting my money? How much does a dollar cost, right? Because we already talked about what Albert said. If you don't understand that compound interest then you're paying it. But if you do understand it, then you're earning it. And if you're paying it and you're constantly paying it, paying it, paying it, you're never, you're never able to get ahead. And so that's what I really want to educate people on because like I just mentioned earlier, right? I just turned 25. And some people may say, oh, you don't need credit or credit's a scam. Well, I say, well, I think it's amazing. I understand it. I'm able to leverage it. I'm able to use my money right i'm gonna buy these things anyway i'm already gonna pay my cell phone bill i'm already gonna put gas in my car i'm already gonna buy groceries for my family right yes my mindset is if i'm gonna spend my money i want something in return oh you're gonna pay me extra you're gonna give me these points you're gonna give me these you know two percent or three percent cash back you're gonna give me these hotel vouchers you're gonna give me this um whatever it may be right a lot of these perks, I like to use them, and that way I can travel the heck. That way, if I want to take my family to, let's say, France for the weekend, those points I got from my credit card on that money I was already going to spend anyway, okay, now I have a free hotel stay for a three-day weekend. Well, now we have a, a free airline ticket for the weekend, um, and I'm able to, to use credit to leverage those things or use credit to leverage home ownership or use credit to leverage whatever it may be. Maybe it's business credit. You want to establish a business and you want to buy all this equipment and you need this and you need that, but you don't have the money on hand. But if you understand credit, you're able to leverage it to earn that money, which is going to kick in and then you're going you're gonna to pay it off before that interest even occurs. So I think it's a great thing if you understand it. As a 25-year-old who came from $36,000 in debt and late 17, right? And now I'm 25 year old and I have net assets that are 70,000 right now. Mm. That's a huge leap, but it took me having that awareness, right? The thing that changed me was finding out that I'm having a daughter. I said, hey, I don't want to do my daughter like that, right? My parents didn't teach me about money. I'm living paycheck to paycheck right now. I refuse to do my baby like that. And so that's what inspired me. Like, hey, man, you got to get out of here. You have to do better. And that's where it all started from. My daughter was born January 27, 2019. And that's where it just like 
So right before right. January 27th, 2019, you probably had that nine months, well, let's say eight months when you finally figured out. <laughs> before. <laughs> you well, like, we knew nah. before, yeah. <laughs> He's like, nah, I got to change up everything. And so everything. when it comes to paying down debt, there's a mentality to paying down debt, right? So there was a lot of things that you said that I kind of want to tackle. First, what is the mentality of paying down the debt? How, how do you develop that? Because a lot of people, going back to your subscription based, let's say it's on my credit card, right? Hey, man, I can get Disney. This is the other mentality that I was part of. I'm going to just use me. $12 for Netflix for 30 days? Oh, I'm going to get that. Disney Plus, all these movies for $15? Okay. YouTube, I ain't got to listen to them damn ads. You know what? I pay that damn $10, right? But it's for 30 days. I equate money to time. So if I was getting paid hourly, okay, how many hours did it take me to buy this? How many hours did it take me to purchase this? But let's take a step back before I get into the weeds. How do you develop the mentality of paying down that debt? Because that's that's a little, it's, it's, it's a legitimate shift in your brain to say, you know what? I'm going to take care of this and not buy the things that I want. Mm-hmm. I know the baby was involved, but I know that was a good trigger. But how did you develop the mind? Because there's a lot of people having babies right now who's still in debt. Mm-hmm. So how did yeah. you consistently have that mindset of, now I got to pay this down this debt? Okay. Yeah, man, it's all about that dedication and that persistence. Let me ask you just one question. Do you work for free? No. Exactly. So why do we keep racking up this debt, right? Because every time you get paid, as soon as you get paid, let's say you get paid $1,000, right? Mm -hmm. But you have $500 in debt. And you have these credit cards that have interest rates, right? So let's say every month you're going to have $500 in debt just to keep things simple. And you're like, man, well, I only make $1,000 a month. But I have $500 in debt every month. And so you, you get to a point where you start living beyond your means, right? And you say, okay, what's well, for 30 days? Sure. And you add, you swipe that credit card and it adds up. And you do that with something else. You say, oh, 30 days. And you swipe it again and it adds up and it adds up. Mm-hmm. So eventually you get to a point where you get paid. But as soon as you get paid, you have to pay someone else all these bills. And I, I, I got to that point and I was like, dang it, man. I'm tired of giving somebody else my money as soon as I get paid. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. I don't want to work, continue to work for free. I'm not going to go work five 12 hour shifts or four 12 hour shifts or whatever it may be. And then turn around and give all that money back to someone else. Mm-hmm. So that's why I just tell myself that like, Hey man, stop working for free. So then I started paying down that debt. And then once our debt was paid off, I started investing. And so you said you equate time and money. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I really harp on investing. I say, if I take, $1,000 to keep things simple, right? I invest $1,000 into a company. And then that company is going to pay me dividends. Let's just say maybe that company only pays me $10 a year in dividends. So someone else might say, oh, man, you spent $1,000 and you only got $10 out of it? That's the narrow mindset. But when you really understand it from a holistic perspective, you realize, okay, you got $10 of dividends. That's an extra $10 that you didn't have to work for. Our company's going to pay you that $10 every year, right? And then you have to realize the 
the valuation of the stock. So that's not a good rise. That's not a good drop. But as long as they don't cut the dividends, hey, man, keep buying it. Keep buying it. And so that's why I'm heavily, I invest a lot because I got to a point, right, where let's say I'm able to earn $1,000 in dividends a year for the rest of my life. Every year, I'm going to get $1,000 in dividends. That's $1,000 that I didn't have to work for. But had I not invested, had I not been smart with my money, let's say I go and get that part-time job, and now that's an extra 20 hours a week that I'm away from my family. I already have a full-time job, but I can't pay my bills. But now I go and get another job to get some extra money. So for that extra $1,000, I go work an additional 20 hours. Now that's 60 hours a week that I'm away from my family, that I'm away from my wife, that I'm away from my daughter, that I'm away from my business, right? So I, I don't want to be a slave to that. I'd rather make my money, make me money. And that's where it all started. I, I realized, hey, stop working for free. Oh. And then once I stopped working for free, I started having some excess money or some money left over. Then I started investing that money. And that money right there started buying me time. Mm. And so I always tell everyone, man, get that financial freedom, get that financial independence. Because it's, it's like when you're going through it and you're down bad, man, it's a horrible feeling and it takes a toll on your mental health. But once you come out of it and you realize what you can do and you start gaining, you know, I tell people all the time, every time you get paid, they say, hey, I'm going to the club. Hey, I'm going to buy these new Jordans. Or I'm going to buy this new Xbox or this new PlayStation or I'm taking these three trips. I say, man, hey, I got paid. I'm going to go buy some income. But they don't understand what I mean when I say that. I tell people every time, hey get paid by income yeah but that means i get paid i see when i get paid there's five other places that my money goes to before i even pay my bills right smart my money goes into my military tsp mm -hmm. my money goes into my daughter's investment portfolio mm -hmm. my money goes into my self-directed portfolio mm -hmm. my money goes into my managed portfolio mm -hmm. and then my money goes into my roth ira and then I pay my bills. So I tell people, you know, make your money, make you money, get paid by income, but also pay yourself first. But you can't get to that point of being able to pay yourself first if you're just racking up so much debt and you're always paying someone else. So I say, hey, man, these companies are making millions and billions of dollars on, on us. I, I need to get my portion. And so that's why I started investing and it's been paying a huge dividend so far. Well, I'm going to. We should give a quick lesson because I don't know if a lot of people know this, but you have a savings account. I'm not going to say any bank name, but if you have a savings account, right, they will pay you interest on that savings account. But did you know they are gambling? Now they can gamble your entire amount. So if you put in a thousand, technically the bank can gamble that thousand to make it two. But they're only paying you pennies on the dollar. On top of that, what's happening is the bank is making money off of your money and giving you pennies. Yeah. They're turning $1,000 to an automatic $2,000. I forgot what the law is called, which they can do that so they can gamble your money. And then when they make money off the money, they're like, hey, you know what? We're going to give you uh, 0.6% of the money that we made off your money. 0. 0.006. 
Point, not a point. No one's you, right. a lot of people aren't giving point six, right? That's They'll true. give you point zero six or point zero zero six. Right. That's and I true. had that discussion with some of my um some of my students two days ago. I showed them the savings because I have multiple banks. I think I have like maybe five, six banks yeah. and four or five uh brokerage accounts. And I showed them like, hey, look at the savings account. I showed them a list of 2019, right? Pre-COVID times. So things were higher during pre-COVID times. And then when COVID hit, and then the Federal Reserve and we saw Jerome Powell, how they're dropping these interest rates, right? So I showed them pre-COVID times, 2019, the interest rates from the brick and mortar banks. And I say, hey, man, look, you're putting in this money, right? You're putting your money all just in a savings account and you're hoping to one day get rich or hoping one day to retire early. But all those, I think it was 14 banks, right? And each bank was paying the person less than 1%. It was actually less than half of 1%. To be honest, I didn't even see a 10th of 1%, right? And so once I realized that for myself, I was like, man, this bank's only paying me this much? There's no way. And I started comparison shopping, right? And so then I, I tell people, hey, if you're not comfortable with investing right now, at least go and find a high sell or a high yield savings account, right? Yep. So if that, that savings account is going to pay you 2% or, or 3% or whatever it is, I know pre-COVID times, my high yield savings account was paying me 2.2%, mm-hmm. right? Which is not great, but it's still better than getting less than a tenth of 1%. Yeah. Uh, and so when that would happen, right, I think I was able to make, um, let's say, an interest from that high yield savings account alone, I was able to make a few hundred dollars in interest for that year. Yeah. I think it was maybe four or five hundred dollars in interest, right? Mm-hmm. And so then I would turn and I would flip that interest. I would go and whether buy stocks or buy options, whatever it was, I would flip that interest to go buy more stocks or buy dividend stocks. And then those dividend stocks would pay me money. And so that I would just keep circling it all back over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And that $500 I started buying stocks with, it didn't come out of my pocket. That interest I earned, I didn't have to go and work to get earn that $500. Mm-hmm. I didn't. And so that's why I tell people, if you're going to equate time with money, you have to look at both sides. So that $500 from that interest account, from that savings account, that interest, it earned me this stock and it earned me this stock and it earned me this stock, right? So mm-hmm. I told you I was $36,000 in debt as a, a 21-year-old, 22-year-old when I was leaving Hawaii for my first assignment, right? And then now I have over $70,000 in assets, right? So I started with this mentality. And a lot of people may say, um, hey, I can't do it. I don't make enough. I'm military. I'm on a set income. And I tell you, that's a lie. You definitely can do it. You may not earn $20,000 a month or $10,000 a month or $5,000 a month. But whatever you earn, make it work for you. I was able to go from zero to over $40,000 in an investment account. Mm. And it all started with me changing my mentality. I still think I started too late in life. I'm, I just turned 25. And I always mm. tell myself, hey, man, you're way behind the curve. You started too late. So imagine if my parents had taught me this. All right. So from the time I'm able to understand things, let's say I'm six or seven or whatever, when I really understand money, had my mom or dad taught me this. And I applied these principles over that 18 year period from a seven year old to seven to 25, right? There's no telling how much I would have. 
And that's why I'm doing it now so that when my daughter turns 18, right, or when she turns 21 or whatever age it is, I don't want to say, hey, you know, get out of my house, go to school, go to college. I'm not going to do that. What we are going to do is have discussions, discussions about finances. We're going to talk money. I'm going to teach her how to invest. I'm going to teach her how to save. I'm going to teach her how to calculate certain things that we're not showing in our schools. Because our schools are really doing a, a poor job of preparing our kids financially. Right? We, we really we discuss everything else, but we really don't discuss finances. And I think that is a huge contributor to our massive amount of consumer debt. It really we, is. We, we are trying to keep up with the Joneses, one. And when it comes to schooling, Gary Vaynerchuk says this all the time, school doesn't teach you how to be an entrepreneur. And to start investing, you have to have an entrepreneurial spirit because you are, what you say, equating time with money. You're investing into something. Honestly, you're in the business of yourself when you're making that investment, right? You don't have to own a brick and mortar to be a business person. Literally, if you just put your money into an investment account, you can say, I have ownership of some company. I I own a fraction, but I still have ownership in your company. That's a way for you to become an entrepreneur. And so when you're talking about these schools don't do a good job teaching you, I don't think it was set for us to get taught these things. I believe, this is my own personal opinion, it was set up for us to work. And then when college and university saw how much money they can make off of us, that's when we saw tuitions going higher and higher and higher. But then on the back end, I have friends. I'm a little bit older than you, but I'm what? I'm 28, about to turn 29. I have friends who did the keeping up with the Joneses. Now they have a payment they have to make on their car. They possibly have a kid. They have a mortgage payment, which, you know, they could be used as an asset, but they're burdened down by all these other credit card debts and then all these other miscellaneous debts. Either it be from like a JCPenney's car just to buy clothing, but they're not using the rewards that JCPenney gives you. And so they're burdened down by all these debts because they were not supposed to get taught that. In school, they teach Mm. us how to become workers, not entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurship is finding out this information and implying these things, implying these rules, and always paying it for it and your education that you're going to give to somebody. I don't believe that we were set up for that type of success. You can't have too many millionaires. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, man. That's why I, I I don't want I don't want to rely on a, a public school system or a private school system or whatever it may be to teach my daughter finances. That's incumbent upon me as a dad or as a parent to teach my child that. That's true. Right. So I have to take what I know and then pass it down to my daughter so that my daughter, she can have a leg up in life. Right. So that she doesn't have to go and work and work and work and squander away. 40, 50, 60, whatever amount of hours a week to be able to provide a living for herself, right? Mm-hmm. I want her financially set. She was financially set from day one, right? So over this next, she's about to turn two in January. Over this next 16-year period, I told myself, hey, man, every time I get paid, my daughter's getting paid. Mm-hmm. A lot of people aren't in positions to do that because they've gone and they're trying to keep up with the Joneses, like you said. They want that new car. They want that new watch. They don't, they want those new shoes. They want that new phone. And they just want to do these things to, to be popular, be trending. 
Now, a thing I tell my friends is, hey, stop buying all this designer if you aren't going to buy a part of the company. Mm. Right? Your whole Say that closet. one more time. Say that one more time. <laughs> stop you. Say that one more time. Hey, man, stop buying all these designer clothes or designer or whatever if you aren't buying a part of the company. Right? There's no sense for your, your garage to be European or your watch to be European or your closet to be European when you can't even afford a flight to Europe. Right? So if, if you're going to go, let me give you this example, right? So stop me when I say something that you've never heard before or that you're not familiar with, right? Okay. Okay. Celine Dior, Hubler, Javinci, Moet, Hennessy, Christian Dior, Fendi, Fenty, Byriana, Moet. I don't know if I said Hennessy, but right, I'm pretty. I said Hennessy, okay, but Supreme. I don't know how many. Just those, just those few I said right there, right, which was at least what maybe five, six. Yeah, you've heard of all those, right? Mm-hmm. And we see people they go every month and they get paid. They're buying these things, right? Yes. So they're making that company rich, but they aren't buying a part of that company. That same company, right? When COVID first happened, I think it was actually I bought I bought stock in that company around April ish, mm-hmm. early April, and I bought it for seventy dollars a share, right? Mm-hmm. Seventy dollars a share, and I bought seventy, mm-hmm. which is a forty nine hundred dollar investment. Do you know how much that same forty nine hundred dollar investment is worth now? How much is it worth? Don't piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I took that same forty nine hundred dollars, and right now it's increased in profit by eighteen hundred dollars, eighteen eleven. So yeah, one thousand eight, one thousand eight hundred and eleven dollars, oh, only since April, right? And here's the other kicker: is that a company pays me a dividend every year. And I think um, right now I'm, I'm in between. I think it's like sixty three dollars. I think last time I looked at it. Yeah. So just at the end of the year, right? I'm gonna have sixty three dollars in profit. On top of that, eighteen eleven. But here's the other kicker: is I bought this company using my Roth IRA. Right. So the the money I used to buy that stock was already taxed. Yeah. So that that eighteen eleven plus the sixty two sixty two dollars in dividends a year, it just grows tax free. <laughs> so when I turn fifty nine and a half or sixty, whatever age I want to pull it out, I don't owe any taxes on it, right? But I wouldn't have been in that position to do that had I continued to live paycheck to paycheck, month to month. Had I continued to spend more than I had, I did the math. I was putting together my ebook for some slides and a PowerPoint that I wanted to teach this class at work, right? So after taxes and and TSP and everything like that, I have $2,800 that's sent to my account every month. Do you know what my expenses are mm. for that month out of that $2,800? Mm. Take a guess. 500. You're close. <laughs> um, and I, I kind of, I went high, right? I'd rather yeah. overestimate than underestimate for how much I'm actually spending. I, I do have a, an exact amount, but out of that $2,800, my monthly expenses was 25.85%. Okay. So that was $722, $724. Okay. So out of that $2,800, my bills 
are only seven hundred and twenty-two dollars. Okay. So the the rest of that two thousand, I'm free to do what I want with it. I'm investing yeah. it, man, and, and I'm making more money, and I'm putting money to my daughter's future, and putting money to my future, because this we get in this mentality, right? We hear it all our life. You know, work hard for whatever amount of years, retire at 60, 65, and then do whatever, and then 70, 75, you die. Yeah, I never believed that. Right? There, there was something that was in me that was like, nah, something, something's wrong. There's a <laughs> lot of rich people who are young. <laughs> exactly, which is why I got into that a habit of get income, buy money. I'm just speeding up my timeline to retirement. So once I get to the point where my dividends are able to pay my monthly expenses, technically I'm good. I could true. not. I could not show up to work. Fine. If I work, at, if I if I worked at a regular place, not in the military. <laughs> if I worked at a regular place, right, I can just say, "Hey, I'm done. Like I'm not gonna show up to work. I can literally go and do whatever for thirty days, but my monthly expenses are covered. If I wanted to get a new occupation, and maybe that occupation is free. I'm doing it for free. It doesn't matter. My my bills are paid, so I'm free to do what I want, and it opens up that creativity for me because I don't have to worry about money. How my bills gonna get paid? How my how's my family gonna get fed? So that's why I preach: get income, buy money. Like, I don't mean to put myself on blast here, but I'm about to start getting eighteen thousand dollars a year tax free. And what that's going to do is just open up so many different avenues. Eighteen thousand dollars a year, I can go get a job. I, you know what? I noticed that I can live under twenty thousand dollars because that's what I've been doing. <laughs> of course my cost of living is going to get a little bit higher but not much yeah. right i'm not going to get i already know that i'm not going to i'm not going to have car payments that's not going to happen yeah no that's a big killer for a lot of people hey it's man get a payments. point a point b commuter yeah like man if i can live close to work i'll bike that's how <laughs> exactly me cheap but i'm like babe you don't understand you put in this time now by 43 because that's my that's my goal to retire by 43 to be mm -hmm. like i'm done but it's going to take a lot of work to get there you Definitely. know i didn't start investing until i was like uh 25 but i didn't really heavily start investing until i was about 26 because i understood the rules of the game but i was scared about risk and risk analysis and the risk of losing money until I watch a Graham Stephan video on YouTube. Now, this is not an ad for the brother, but if you go watch <laughs> Graham Stephan, he's a really smart dude. He was in real estate. He teaches you how to leverage uh, your home income, your home equity, buy other properties, and he also teaches you about stock investments. Weeble.com, you get two free stocks with him today. See, if I, that would have been my ad right there. <laughs> but when he put it into context for me about risk analysis. He was like, all right, you can live your life every day, go to work every day, have somebody tell you what to do every day, or you take a risk. You know you can always go back and get a job. Jobs are always gonna be out there, but it's about time you start taking a risk on yourself so you can start making this income that only you can make because it's you and your money. Ain't nobody gonna give you just money. <laughs> even when you even when you go to the lottery you had to pay to get into the lottery but everybody yeah. paid to get into the lottery ain't nobody ever gonna just give you money because even when you look if you're trying to get a grant you gotta do something <laughs> you gotta yeah, write something man. 
And see that a lot of things, right? What about those free grants for school, right? For the military students to think, oh well, no, I won't do grants. So now we have TA. No, but what, what happens, right, when this fiscal year when TA's cut about, I think they cut it by almost eight hundred, around eight hundred dollars, right? It was crazy. I saw that. So, I was like, right. So instead of that forty five hundred, now it's thirty seven fifty. We don't know if it's going to go down again either. Ex exactly right. So people always ask me, "Hey man, why are you in school?" I tell them, "Hey man, I can't go." partying in frankfurt this weekend or i can't go do that this weekend and like why i'm like hey man i gotta write these papers i got two classes going on i'm like oh man you're lame you're doing okay. school you're a nerd Bye. okay all right but hey i'm gonna be set one day right because not only well, was i not i'm not paying for the classes right i'm in the military i'm using the tuition assistance my classes are paid for mm -hmm. but then i went and i applied for grants right yeah and then i was able to use those grants my books, I didn't have a book fee because with the University of Maryland, the books were all virtual. They were all digital. So there was no book fee. So that money went directly to me. Mm -hmm. And what I, I did is Swoop. I turned around and I, I started investing that money. Right? So let's say if I don't have to pay for my school, right? And I apply for this grant. And this grant's going to give me $1,000 just to go to school. Mm-hmm. I can either go say, oh, hey, I got $1,000. Maybe I want to buy some new shoes and clothes or I want to go on this fancy trip. Or I can do like how I did. Hey, I'm going to invest this $1,000. And now every month, that $1,000 I invested two years ago is paying me $7.52 a month. So every month, regardless of what I'm doing, that $1,000 I invested a couple of years ago is going to pay me $7.52. It's not a lot. But if you hey, go back to Albert Einstein, that compounding interest, it adds up. It adds up. And then it's like the, the designer stock I bought, right? So if I'm only getting $62 a year in dividends, but the value of the stock has now increased by $1,800. See, people don't realize that. Okay, so now I have 18, 11 plus 62. That's almost $1,900 profit right there. And I didn't have to do anything. After I invested that money, I saved, I researched, but after I paid for it, that's money in my pocket, man. And I'm somewhere chilling with my wife. I'm chilling with my daughter. My money's coming to me and I don't have to work for it. And that's how you shorten your time until retirement. I'm not working until I'm 65. No. I'm not. I'm not. Hell no. I'm not. I'm trying to work until I'm 65. No, I'm, no, no. There's, there's too many investment opportunities right now. See, for a very long period of time, I didn't understand why we weren't, why we were called the richest country in the world. I, I didn't understand it. And then I realized, oh, damn, the stock market. You're telling me, wait a minute, wait a minute, because I want people to really believe this. I want, I'm, understand this, excuse me. Lazy money is the best money. you telling me I could put my money, like I'm saving it somewhere else. It's going to make money. And then when it makes money, it compounds on the money it made. <laughs> and then that compound money makes more money. And then that money makes more money. And all I got to do was wait. Yeah. That's the power of compound interest and dripping, man. That dividend reinvestment. Not including if you have dividends. Because exactly. those dividends can now see, look, now you're talking about a game where <laughs> I can see why. When, this, look, I always say this in a lot of podcasts. 
this is not a this is not a political podcast, but if our mental health is going to be politicized, we got to talk about it. If mental <laughs> health literally has a direct correlation to how much money is in your bank account, then we got to talk about it. Now I can see why Republicans are like, whoa, hold up. <laughs> I like this. I like this money. Or fiscal conservatives. Oh, hold up. I like this money. Do y'all understand that your money can make money? And a lot of people's like, no, I want this. But a lot of people, they just want you to understand, get that education. Because the weird thing about financial literacy is that you have to go search for it. Uh, sometimes. Search for it. Sometimes. Kevin Hart is trying to do a good thing with J.P. Morgan and Chase by going to you. But unless you search for it, it's not just going to land in your lap. It's not. Right. And so that's one of those things. One, you mentioned the political issues on political topics. I'm politically impartial, right? I'm just a guy who, hey, man, I don't want to work until I'm 65 and 70. Like I've seen family and friends do, right? And you mentioned like for financial literacy, like how you have to go out and search for it, right? I don't believe that's always true. Take, for example, my daughter, right? When she, when, she, when she gains her financial literacy, she's not going out and searching for it. I'm bringing it to her. And that's why I tell people to surround yourself. Like They think I'm I'm being uh, facetious, aristocratic, or I call it bougie, right? When I say this, surround yourself around people who you want to be in the future, right? Don't continue to surround yourself around people from your past. The people from your past are the people that are that anchor that are dragging you down that are keeping you in that debt and and they're aren't trying to motivate you to be better and do better stop surrounding yourself around that you know surround yourself around someone who understands the money or someone who understands whatever it may be that you want to acquire in life and then that person is going to put you on game if they're a good friend they're going to put you on game free of charge and you start learning from them and you start soaking it up i want to so, throw something out there because i've been doing this myself um if you haven't this is for anybody who's listening. Go to LinkedIn. Talk to these people. Really talk. I, I can't tell you how many people I've literally just had conversations with who are in positions I want to be in. And I've learned that if you ask people about their story, they're usually willing to tell it if you have genuine interest. Like, you're telling me you're making all this money? Okay. There's so many jobs that I want to be in that makes great money. I'm going to ask the person how they got there. If I ask them how they got there, like, oh, you asking me how I got in the place I am because I make money? You tell, yeah, I can tell you all day. That's what I mean by search for it. That's why I say go out and search for it. A huge, because a lot of people, like you said, people might call me bougie by plugging LinkedIn, but I can't tell you. My girlfriend can tell you right now. I've been on LinkedIn every day. Every it's a powerful day. tool leveraging not leveraging but building these relationships because i'm not trying to get anything out of them but the knowledge they will allow me to acquire and if i if they're going to sit on the phone with me take time out of the day to have a 30 minute conversation to put me on game about something i don't understand and they're in a position of understanding let's let's that's free information you didn't have to go to school for that that's free you want school? Ask the people on LinkedIn who can school you. I just wanted to put that out there because you said your daughter, you want to educate your daughter. I want everybody else to know as well. Hey, LinkedIn is out there. Like right. I understand why people love LinkedIn now. 
it could be LinkedIn. It could be word of mouth. It could be family meetings. Like my family and I, we have a we have a monthly meeting where you know thirty of us we get in. We're on Zoom. We're talking. Blah blah blah. Right. I'm sending numbers. I think last time we met, it was that was about seventeen of us that were actually on, That's on the still line. A lot of people. It is family. right. So you say that right. I'm glad you say that. That's seventeen or thirty people, whatever it may be, that I'm reaching, and I'm able to get this message out to them, right? And then they're going to take that if, if they really believe in it. They're going to take that, and they're going to spread it to their friend groups and their spheres of influence. And then they all start having that mentality, and then it just starts to continue and continue, and then it matriculates, and then eventually it pops, right? Because the one thing I don't like, we talk about drama, we talk about TV shows, we talk about politics, we talk about anything else. When we're at the dinner table or when we're just hanging with our family, with our friends, right? But how many times are we discussing money? How many times are we discussing financial literacy, investing, debt elimination, or any of those things, life insurance, any of those things, right? So I want to make this conversation the new norm. And that's why I wanted to start with my coworkers and my peers. I want to start educating the people that I work with. Because this is something I noticed, right? With military, you get, I say you, but it's actually we. I'm not saying anyone directly. I'm just speaking as like for the collective, right? We get really complacent. You fall into that 115, 15, one trap. And by that, I mean, you know, I get money on the first, right? I can blow all this money in two weeks because I'm going to get it back on the 15th. Yeah. And I get this money on the 15th, I can blow it all because I know I'm going to get it back on the first, right? And that starts to become a cyclical process. And then you fall into that trap that we mentioned earlier, where you're every time you get paid, you have to pay someone else because you didn't understand money. You're bad with the money and you have all this debt. And so that's why I hate man. That's why I say my company is a PIF because I had the epiphany about it. And it's an acronym APIF for always paying it forward. And it's ironic that <laughs> that it's so much money talk, right? I'm a, I'm a pun guy, right? so it's not really ironic, but it was, it was a pun on that. Pay it for because um, I like financial literacy, man. I, I like being able to have fun and not stress about money anymore. Because I'll tell you right now, when I was that 22 year old with 30 plus thousand dollars in debt, I wasn't really enjoying life. You act different. I wasn't. You act you, different. Hey, it's like, hey, you want to go out to the club? You want to go on this trip? You want to go do that? And I'm like, man, I wish I could, but. No, maybe I don't feel good, right? And it's not, I don't feel good. I know deep down, I don't have the money to do it. And I don't want to be embarrassed by not being able to have that money to go to do whatever it may be, right? And I didn't like that feeling. And I, I didn't like not being able to do the things I wanted to do or having creative ideas, but not having the money to finance said ideas, right? And so I'm just, I had that revelation. I wish it happened early on in life. Unfortunately, it happened at age 23 for me. Wish it happened earlier, but hey, now that it did happen, I just want to educate other people so that they're able to get out of that trap if they're in that. Because it's, it's a huge thing, it's a huge game changer, right? When you can go and say you, you work 40 hours a week, right? Yeah. And the money you made from your W 2, from your 95 job, that paycheck, you don't even have to touch it. Your bill will pay from your investments, those dividends. Right. So imagine like my seven hundred and twenty two dollars in expenses. Excuse me. My seven hundred and twenty two dollars in expenses. 
me not having to pay out of pocket for that. So now I'm, I'm able to save that whole 2800 And mind you, right, at the same time, something I was doing that a lot of people didn't agree with or they didn't understand, for the longest time, I was doing 25% TSP for my base pay. Yeah, we did that. Yeah. I was doing 25% base pay to my TSP, and I wasn't including the matching, right? And people didn't understand that. Oh, why are you doing this? Oh, that money is going to be there, you know. You're going to be 60 years old. That's no guarantee, right? They're, they're just so caught up on living for the now, living for the now, and having that instant gratification. And that's something I had to really discipline myself on is to not always have that answer for gratification. So now I understand delete gratification. I understand compound interest and I understand money and it's really reshaped my life and how I look at things. I don't know if you know, but you remember 2008, the housing crash, everybody lost their money. The crazy thing about that is that when that happened, the stock market went down 28 point three percent i think it was around it was like 28 or 29 a lot of people pulled out their money they don't understand that the bounce back year in 2009 it went up 34 percent yeah a lot of people panic man if you panic see that's the big thing about investing is because you can even go back to the great depression same i don't know the exact numbers for those but it was the same type of re uh, response in the stock market. Yes, we struggled for a very long time, but the rebound was crazy. And I'm saying in 2008, 2009, that was literally a year. All you had to do is withstand a year, keep your money in the same investments, and you would have came out positive by 7% if you would have kept your investments. And if you would have doubled down. Alright, so there's this thing, and on Twitter that I follow and it's not really like a thing like a group but it's 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 kind of a group and they call it Black Wealth Twitter. If you don't oh, follow yeah. that, oh, I yeah. would. Aisha Sheldon chopping gems after gems after gems of free information about how to leverage your own money. I'm just trying to give people that as well. Oh, I just remember something. Outlet Bank. I don't know if you heard but it's backed by Bitcoin and blockchain. They're actually giving 6% six percent apr on a savings account right now at first it was 10 because the stock market dipped they went down to six so that's something that you can look look at i've been looking at it for a little bit i don't know if i'm going to switch over but i know a lot of people have been switching over to it six percent six oh, there's a lot of money um but when i compare some shop for banks I, I look for more than just the the interest rate well talk about for that. savings account right i look for Things such as their relation to me, let's say the geographic relation. Is this a bank that's in my community, right? Is it in my hometown? Is it somewhere that I plan on buying my house, right? Because you you know, if you know anything about real estate, right? You know that if you want to be successful in real estate, you need to have a good relationship with your local banks or your local credit unions. You have to have a good relationship with them, right? And so I, I look for things like that, whether it be uh, mortgages, whether it be renter's insurance, whether it be auto insurance or whatever, their investment tools, whatever it may be. I, I look for those things plus others when I look for my banks. And that's why I have so many. I have, like I say, can I even name them? What? What? I don't even. 
I have so many banks and, and brokerage accounts, right? Because they all have a different benefit. And that's why I compare some stuff. Because sometimes bank A or brokerage account A has something that brokerage account B doesn't have. But then brokerage account B does this better than A. But then C has this nice middle ground and my money moves really fast. And I don't have to wait three business days. So then I go use C. But then D allows me to do right. You get what I'm saying? So it's just, I, I use each one for their pros, right? Because everything has pros and cons. So you just have to do your research and figure out what really works for you and what your needs are. And you mentioned the whole, um, the panicking, right? A lot of my investor friends, right? It's something we see every time when there's blood in the streets, you go on a shopping spree. I mentioned to you about that, that, um, that, that came from Warren. Yeah. I don't know who it came from. Hey, but it, hey, it, it, it resonates with me, right? <laughs> and so I mentioned that designer company, right? That I bought for seventy dollars yeah. a share, and then it it's um, and then and then I end up making eighteen eleven off that, right? So that that stock right there, it has more than doubled itself. Mm-hmm. And you remember that one tech company I was trying to get you on, right? We were talking mm-hmm. talking about one big pharmaceutical company I was following. And I talked about one huge tech company I was following, right? Mm-hmm. And so when coronavirus hit, I bought more. I was dollar cost averaging or averaging down, right? So now my average price on that stock is $2. I didn't sell when COVID hit, right? Guess how much my, my unrealized gain is? Because I still haven't pulled it out and I don't plan on pulling it out anytime soon, right? I'm going to say, I'm going to say, Seven hundred. That's cute, right? Oh, I checked okay. it. I checked. See, exactly. I checked it Friday, right? When I was when I was making my um my slides for my class, my unrealized gain was three thousand dollars fifty four cents. Excuse me, excuse me, three thousand dollars. Sorry, I can't math right now. It's, it's late. Uh, three thousand fifty four dollars and sixty cents. Yeah. Right. So. Right, and so. I had a thousand dollars in it, right? But then COVID happened, and I—that's where the research and analysis comes into play, mm-hmm. and tracking that company and seeing what their track record is, okay, what they're doing, what their um, expense ratios are, right? And, and are are their sheets looking good? Are their spreadsheets? Are their balance sheets looking good? Or are they mismanaging the money? How much are they paying their CEO? How much are they allocating to you know research and development or equipment? Um, and so I bought more, and now. Me doing that and me staying dedicated with that has allowed me to have an unrealized gain of $3,054.60. And that's just from one thing. But I have over 45 tickers in my in my five portfolios. Right? And so I did that. There's another one where COVID happened. That's what I did. I went and bought 500 more shares. Mm-hmm. Right? Now... I'm up seven hundred and sixty-four dollars on that one, right? I hear right. So from, from those two alone, I'm up right now about four thousand, and then I have some other dividend companies, right? That that pay me dividends on a monthly, quarter, or annual basis. Mm-hmm. I have money in companies that do all the three. I get one company right where the dividend X date was. Um, uh, today's October, whatever, today's October, uh, whatever October it is, right? But the, the ex-dividend date was September 30, right? So you have to own that company before September 30 to get that a dividend payout. 
so and then right and then now the payout date is set for uh i believe it's set for october 14th or october 16th so when that date rolls around boom i'm getting my dividend the same thing's going to happen for the following month the ex-dividend date is going to be 30 october and then when november 16th or november 14th rolls around boom my dividends coming back into my account and so i'm just going to get that on a recurring basis recurring basis recurring basis and that dividend right there is money i did not have to work for that's why i say if you're going to equate time with money you have to do it from from both sides so that's money i'm getting every month i didn't have to work for and then if you're smart right you're going to drip it you're going to reinvest those dividends so now that dividend i got from months one through 12 imagine me reinvesting that every month so now i'm buying more shares let's say me reinvesting those dividends i was able to buy 20 more shares mm-hmm. and now my monthly dividend has gone up by three dollars mm-hmm. so some people might say well it's only three dollars at the end of the year that three dollars is 36 more dollars that i didn't have to work for i could be sitting on my couch i can be asleep or whatever i'm making money in my sleep and so that's why i, I tell my people right my friends my family my peers my co-workers right invest in things you believe in so i wanted to put that money in that designer company i like right i don't buy those designer clothes but i have friends and family and i see celebrities who do it and they make it popular and more people go and buy it so every time i see them wearing it i just think to myself hey man thank you for paying me if you're wearing christian dior or if you're buying brianna's you know fenty products or if you go to sephora and you're buying makeup thank you for paying me if you're drinking moet and hennessy thank you for paying me if you're wearing a, a Hublot watch, thank you for paying me. Um, so I do that. You know, we all have monthly expenses, right? Whether it be your TV, your internet, your phone bill, right? So let's say AT&T, for example, right? We all have cell phones or landlines, whatever it may be. We're going to pay those bills. I got money in AT&T. So every time people pay those bills, thank you for paying me. So, you know, in the U.S., right? T-Mobile, excuse me, not T-Mobile. I do have money in T-Mobile. That's also, I made a boatload of money from that. story on that. Right? With the Sprint and T-Mobile merger, I was following it. I was doing my homework on it. We was talking and about I, it. Right, exactly. I was going to go through. I was like, hey, yo, I, right. I watched the subcommittee, uh, the subcommittee and everything. Yeah. I was like, hey, it's going to go through. I watched it all three hours. Right. <laughs> I, I never, I see, I never backed out of it. I kept mine. I kept buying more. And then when they finally merged, man, I was, my, my, my 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 value for that one stock went through the roof right and so um like i was saying things like um at&t and verizon that pay dividends that's one of the one of the what three four major phone carriers in the u.s pretty much everyone is going to have at&t or verizon right but see me i own t-mobile verizon and at&t so I'm really I'm hitting all I'm hitting all sectors right for the most part you have little you know um, Metro PCS I think that's owned by T-Mobile yeah but right but still exactly they still have parent companies who own them so either way when you're paying that bill thank you for paying me <laughs> <I like laughs> when you go and you put oil excuse me when you go and like if you put oil in your car if you put gas in your car right or when you pay your electric bill or when you pay your rent I have money in those stocks too and REITs. Right and, and renewable energy. Hey, define what a REIT is for people who don't know. Oh yeah, that real estate investment trust. What is that? Right, mean? and so I say, if you have 
my the best example I can give right now, right? We all go and buy stuff from malls, right? We go to malls. We're gonna to go to a CVS. We're gonna to go to a Walgreens. We're gonna to go to a Walmart. Any of those. We're all going there and we're buying stuff from them. But those companies are paying for that space. Yep. They're paying that, and every money, excuse me, every month when they pay that rent, I'm getting a portion of that kickback. So that's why I say when I when you pay your phone bill, thank you for paying me. When you go buy designer clothes, thank you for paying me. When you're going and you're buying gas, thank you for paying me. When you go shop at the mall, thank you for paying me. So I'm earning dividends every month or every quarter or every year. And I don't even have to go to those places. I'm getting that money regardless. See, like I said, like, right, as a 25-year-old, and I'm early on in the game, but do you know how good it feels to get $3,000 every year in dividends? Crazy. Three thousand dollars in dividends. Three thousand dollars is going to compound. Exactly. And since I keep my monthly expenses so low, right? Out of that twenty-eight hundred dollars, I'm only spending seven hundred and twenty-two on bills. So that means I'm able to put some money into a savings account just in case I need liquid money for an emergency. I'm able to put money to my daughter. I'm able to put money into retirement. So imagine I'm twenty-five right now. By the time I turn sixty, that's thirty-five years from now. And I've been doing this since I was 23, mm-hmm. right? So that's 37 years of me doing this. Imagine how much compounding that's going to happen in that, that 37 years. Excuse me. On average, yeah. for people who don't know, it's about 7%. And so imagine when I teach my daughter this, right? I'm already putting money in for her, right? So this, this stuff started before she was even born, yep. right? So she's already has an upper lip. But imagine when I teach her and she starts doing it, right? Mm-hmm. And then she goes on. She's already had six. She's had sixty years of money growing for her when, when she hits sixty. So she doesn't have to be like me and have thirty years or thirty-five years. Mm. She's had sixty years because I gave her that heads up. Not including the assets that you might leave behind that I'm gonna pass down to her. When I'm dead and gone, I don't want to leave debt behind for my daughter that she has to pay. I'm not gonna do that to her. I'm not going to, like I said, I'm not going to force her to get out of my house and go to college. I'm not going to do that. Why? It's cheaper her to stay at home. That's the other thing. Like I say, if I, if I stay in the military for an additional 13 years and I retire, right? I'm going to have multiple properties, multiple, multiple properties, right? And my dividends and my investment portfolios are going to help me pay that, right? So I want to get to a point where I'm able to buy my dollar at her own house. Or I have my my portfolio of houses, right? That I'm able to give to my daughter when I die. And so that's why I it's best to start early, right? And that's why it's best to pay it for. Once you learn it, go teach someone else. Once they learn it, teach someone else and just keep paying it. Like don't pay me money for it. Right? Because I know a lot of guys and girls are charging people for this that I'm giving. And I even have books that I've sold before, right? But for the most part, I try to give this knowledge to anyone that's willing to listen. Because it's, it definitely changes your perspective on life once you realize how much a dollar actually costs. Most people don't. Most people don't. It's, and there's multiple ways, and I just want to highlight this. There's multiple ways to build wealth. You don't have to 
truly diversify your polo like you have, right? You could just do two things. You could follow the S&P 500 because the four big stock, I mean, four big tech companies going to be pushing up the S&P 500. And you can just follow that if you wanted to. Most people will tell you to diversify, maybe not just the stock market, but also put your money in real estate. But what you want to do is make your, have your money, make money. Like they say that you're not going to become wealthy unless you have a side hustle. Your side hustle could be your dividends. Man, I have what uh, I think last time I counted, I was like five streams of income right now. I was a twenty-five year old, right? Five streams, and right. But I'm not stopping. I can't retire mm-hmm. until I get at least seven. And even when I get seven, I'm still gonna keep going. See, I'm I still. Could. Oh my bad. Go ahead. Hey right, man, you gotta. We gotta. Bills have to be paid, right? Death and taxes are guaranteed, so the money has to come somewhere. And you're right. Death and taxes. Death and taxes. <laughs> we are in a perfect position right now as young men, young black men, to help build the generational wealth that my family didn't build before me. Mm-hmm. Fortunate, it's not for every black family. I'm not saying that, but there are positions that we are now that we can take. Now, positions not just meaning a company, but positions by owning company. That's what they call it a position. And so, I would say to everybody, please, if you haven't listened to this, if you needed some help, rewind this. Corey was dropping some gems on you. Gem after gem after gem for free. I said before that sometimes you need to actually go look for it. He has proven me wrong because what he is saying is that he's giving it to you. Free of charge. Free of charge. Because the thing about money is I didn't think there was a lot of infinite things out there. I think money is one of them. I don't think if the feds want to keep printing paper and if we might go to a digital currency anyway, it sounds like there's an endless amount of money. We have trillionaires or Jeff Bezos probably by 2026 is going to be the first trillionaire on the freaking planet. If that is possible, damn it, I can be a millionaire. Like he said, if his expenses, his household expenses, only $738, it's really, if you really think about it, investing to get to $738 by leveraging different streams of income, it's not necessarily that hard. As an example, let's say you sold a class. You can either sell three classes. Let's say all those classes are worth 300 bucks. Sell ebooks. How many ebooks you have to sell to get to that 700 but you don't have to have a normal nine to five honestly with covid now we are learning that could be dead you can do everything right and still be fired Mm -hmm. you can do everything right and still be let go a lot of you are experiencing that right now so conversations like these are vital you can sell your car so you're not making those payments and get an a to b or bike 
And if you wanted to, since you know how it is to live like that, you could take that same money and invest it. That could be your first investment money. You start building your investment portfolio. Let's say you're paying 350 bucks a month just on a card note alone, not including insurance. You take that 350 bucks that you was paying on your car, throw that into an investment account. Watch it grow. I'm telling you, once you see your money grow, there's something that changes in you. Because when you wake up, you're like, damn it, how do you do nothing for this money? Besides, yeah. press a couple of buttons. And yeah. then my digital currency went up somehow. I don't know how that happened. <laughs> I, probably, I ride the bus, man. People tell me, hey, you're a tech sergeant. Why are you riding the bus, man? It's free. I was spending $40 every two weeks, $40, $45. So $80 to $90 a month just on gas, just to drive to work and to home. Not going out, not traveling, any of that. I was spending $80 to $90 on gas just from driving from my house to work. Right? Yeah. So let's just, I just round it up. I say it's a hundred dollars a year, right? That's twelve hundred dollars a year because I'm still gonna spend like if I spend eighty to ninety just to get to work, and I still have to like go shopping. I still have to take my family here and that. It's guaranteed that I'm gonna put more money in the gas tank, right? So let's just say a hundred bucks a month, twelve hundred dollars a year plus maintenance, right? So at least twelve hundred dollars a year just on traveling to work and to little little places around, not including maintenance. If I include maintenance. I say it's two thousand or three thousand dollars a year, but at, a, at, a, at the, the bare minimum, I'm able to save twelve hundred dollars a year just by riding the bus. And while I'm riding the bus, I'm listening to podcasts, I'm reading stocks, I'm buying the stocks, I'm reading books, I'm doing homework, I'm thinking of different ideas, or I could just sleep. Maybe I want to get an extra, you know. 30 minutes of sleep. I could just sleep. Whatever it may be, but there's always a way to cut out on a unnecessary expense. And for me, that was the easiest one. So instead of, you know, spending that 100 bucks a month on gas, put that money in my daughter's account. I don't need it. My household expenses are $722. I make $2,800 a month. Put that extra $100 a month into my daughter's account. Invest that for her. When I, I have a quick story. When I first got here, I was pressured beyond belief to buy a car. Because, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, when I first got here, I, I think I was 20, 25, about to turn 26. And they're like, bro, you're 25, 26. You're not about to buy a car. I was like, bro, we have a bus. Yeah. <laughs> we have a bus. I'm not about to buy a car if I don't need one. You, I just My first couple of days, the first conversations I was having was how much you guys have to register it. <laughs> when you have to find a car. I'm going to get the car back because I, I saw people out processing. So I was like, wait a minute. I ain't got to deal with all that if there's a bus. And then on top <laughs> of that, I went to the boss program because they were doing monthly trips from the barracks to the commissary every two weeks. I went in there specifically like, nah, we got to do it every week because I was being low-key selfish. I was like, nah, we go every <laughs> Thursday. I ain't got to have to worry about trying to buy all these groceries all at once. I could do it every week. Yeah, it's it's you, and then they were just calling me a bum, straight up. You're a bum. You're a bum. Right. And then I told my Joe, who was on the podcast, I told Joe a couple years ago. I was like, hey, this is what I'm going to do with this money. This is how I'm going to get out of debt. And this is exactly what I got to do. I'm sorry, I can't travel with you anymore. Sorry, I can't go party with you anymore. We can't go buy no Don Julio no more, like we were doing. <laughs> I see hey. something on the other side, and I want to get there. From that point. 
when you make your first ten thousand, money starts coming in. Oh yeah. I don't know what it is, but when you make your first ten, it's just money just coming. So if that happened at ten thousand, what happened to my investment account get to 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100? Boy, it's some it's weird when you start hitting those barriers that you thought you would never get to. Like, mm-hmm. I think it was Drake that says, and Joe Budden, once you make your first million, million starts to come in. <laughs> you just got to oh, get there. That first million is always the, the toughest hurdle to get over. You just got to get so. there. I'm not saying I'm a millionaire, guys, but what I'm saying is I'm applying <laughs> that same analogy to going from, because it's crazy, because once you finally get out of debt, right, and that number is zero, you can only go up from there if you're using great habits. And yeah. all of a sudden, you see how much money you can save quickly. And so some people will be like, yo, I saved $3,000 in a month and a half. And you're like, how did you do that? I like, well, I cut my expenses. I did this. I did that. And boom. And all of a sudden, four months later, they got damn $12,000. Like, how did you do that? <laughs> exactly, man. Everybody else is like, yo, I'm still in debt. Like, I tell my friends all the time, I became in the top 3% of a 3% of Americans. They're like, what are you talking about? I said, like, I ain't got no debt. <laughs> I ain't that top 1% when I'm worth billions, but I'm richer than you. Right. Did you look That's at your joke, age group? Though. That's a joke. What? Did you look at your age group, right? So now they have it broken down by age group where it shows you if you're, if you're in the top 1% of your age group and it's broken down by decade. I didn't know and that. that was my goal. Like, hey, man, t- to get into the top 1% of my... Because I'm in the top 1% of, of my age group, you know, as a 25-year-old. But that's because, you know, over $70,000 in assets of mine alone, right? But I yeah. told my wife, by the time I leave here next year, right, my goal is to have at least 100000 Yeah. And I don't want that just to come from, it's not got to come from W-2, right? That's come investing or whatever. Mm-hmm. My bare minimum goal was 100000 mm-hmm. All right. And so at that point, I'll be 26, right? And having a hundred thousand dollars in assets as a twenty-six year old in America right now, that puts me in the top one percent of my uh, of my age group. Not I including think, your house as an asset. Which, I don't have a house, yeah. So no houses at all. I bring that up because there was one conversation I had when I first got here, which I vehemently denied when somebody told me that buying a house was the worst thing they've ever done. And I was like, it depends on where, it depends on how you financed it, it depends on if you're not, because you can leverage your property in so many ways. People forget that equity builds when you pay it down. <laughs> I was just, I was hearing the clicking in the background, I was wondering. <laughs> and then when equity <laughs> so sorry, builds, watching Netflix when equity builds, you can then at that point, Either take that money out if you want to refinance and invest it into something else. Most people invest into another house, another property. Then when you invest into another property, boom. Oh, snap. Now you're in the business of real estate. And then once you do that, somebody else is paying down your house. And cash flowing. Yeah. Cash flowing. So my best friend, she's doing something wonderful right now. She got a four-bedroom house, I think, or three-bedroom. I think it's a four-bedroom house. And she's house sure. hacking. She did it on accident, and I congratulated her. I was like, you doing what? How many people moving in? Hey, this is what <laughs> you need to do. 
How much is your mortgage? Your mortgage is this much? Okay. Have the other two people that you're living with pay down your mortgage. That's their rent. You can see what's in the area, how much is a one bedroom, one bath, and tell them, hey, because I'm, I'm providing a one bedroom, one bath, or a refrigerator, or washer, and dryer in unit, you can pay down half of this mortgage. They don't know it's half. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you telling me you have two roommates, they're paying down your house. Unless they live You're living rent free. You're living rent free. And if you want rent free. Because she's in the military, she uses that BAH to pay down again. So you I actually did a um trend oh well, yeah, trend analysis on the uh playable I was with this one guy, we were talking finances. He wanted to meet with me, right? Yeah. And so I showed him how he was a military guy, he was getting BAH. Sorry to cut you off, but you started talking about that, man. It just reminded me, and I, I wanted to get this out there before I forgot it, right? Yeah. But I, I gave him a game plan on how he to use his BH. Most people would just pay the pay the bare minimum, right? They do the same thing with credit card payments or whatever. They pay the bare minimum, and I was able to show him how to strategize his his BH alone, not including the rest of his military pay. BH alone, how to do that. And I gave him the game plan to pay off his mortgage seven years early. Mm. He's like, oh, what? I can do that? Like, hey, man, we have to stop making these bare minimum payments. And if you if you have a 20-year or 30-year whatever um, loan seven years early, that saves you a lot of interest, lot. especially depending on, you know, <laughs> how much the house is and what the interest rate is. And so he was, a, he was shocked by it. In my head, I thought like, "Oh wow, this this common sense this makes sense to me, right?" But then I have to have that relativist standpoint. I have to say, "Okay, just because I think this way, that doesn't mean that everyone else thinks this way." And so that's why I'm trying to provide this awareness on it, because a lot of times people only care once they're made aware. And, okay. and so when you give them that awareness, and okay, then it's up to them to to take it and run with it. But if you give it to them and they still they don't heed it. You know, and they're just blowing that extra BH money, right? If, if, if your mortgage is $1,000 a month and you're getting 1800 for BH, are you only paying $1,000, right? Or are you going to pay, or you pay 1500 Even if you paid 1500 you still had an extra three left over, right? Yeah. So even if you only paid 1500 at the end of the year, you're still paying six months extra mortgage. So instead of only 12 months, you're paying 18 months. Yeah. Why would you not do it? Why would you not do it? But a lot of people don't think like that, right? Because they don't realize it. And so I guess I've kind of taken it upon myself to to start helping people realizing that how to get out of that debt. And then once they're out of that debt, how to grow their money and how to keep earning money on a monthly or quarterly or annual basis. Because man, it's so easy. Like how you say once you make that once I make that first ten thousand. I was like, oh man. And then I made 20,000. And then I made 30,000. And then I had 40. And I was like, oh snap. And then it went to 50. And then it went to 60. And then it went to 70. And I'm like, man. It's weird because once you gather the information, the money starts to come. And it's, oh, yeah. I don't know why it happens this way. Like when people talk about money, they always say the same thing. Once you understand it, the money will come. And just living below it's crazy how just living below your means and not making monthly payments on anything unless you can leverage your credit cards correctly you can make money that way 
if I'm getting paid $60,000 and I'm living at 30, that's $30,000 extra that I could do whatever with. Now I could turn 15,000 out of that, put that in the stock market. Yeah. <laughs> and then that compounds over time. The reason why we're bringing this up, because I know we've been talking about money a lot. It's because it is vital. I did a podcast, I think it's two or three podcasts ago, where I said our mental health is directly correlated with the finances. Men, in particular, if we don't live in a, a certain social and economic status, men will contemplate suicide. So if, it, if money literally has a direct correlation, either it be right or wrong, we have to understand it. It's vitally important. Honestly, it seems like it's a life or death. And when it comes to building generational wealth, it could start with you. Here's Corey right now. He has a daughter. She's going to be set up 18 years of compound interest, depending on how much money he's putting on right now. Compound interest with a 7% return per year. So first year, making 7%. And then that 7% he made is making 7% on top of the money that he's inputting in there. By the time she's 18, she might be richer than most people. (laughs) Low key. Or at least she can pay her college tuition and live comfortably. If she decides to go to college, she can use that money. I'm not giving her college. She won't have college tuition. Oh, so she's using that money? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I give my daughter, when I get paid, man, I pay my daughter $250 from every paycheck I get. Every month, my daughter gets $250 of my money. My school is to pay her. Isn't that $6,000 a year? I forgot what the total is on it, man. I'm sorry, it's been a long day, but I'm just saying, just from a monthly perspective, right? I want to keep things simple. I don't want to like overwhelm people. From just every, from my paycheck every month, right? 250 of that goes to my baby. I don't, I'm not selfish with it, right? I can be like, okay, well, I want to use my money to make me happy. Well, if I have excess, right? I already told you, like, have, I think it was like 2078 what I had remaining after I paid my expenses, right? 2078. How does that hurt me to give my daughter 250 of that and then go and reinvest that money into the other four things that I want to invest in? I think there's something important that we have to hit. One thing that you keep saying is that you're paying yourself first. And that's something that Robert Kiyosaki talks about all the time. You said it earlier, and I forgot to hit it. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I think it's vitally important. When you get paid, the very first person you're supposed to pay is yourself. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's the first person. You said it yourself. I'm tired of paying all these other companies, right? (laughs) Robbie Kiyosaki went a little extreme. He was in debt and still paying himself. I don't never want to be there. But I, I was still paying my when I was in debt. I still paid myself. You know why? Because my I was doing. I was paying myself, and that was paying me dividends. And then I was using those dividends to make additional payments to get out of debt quicker. So I was still paying myself while I was in debt. I just had to maneuver it differently. But it did help me get out of debt quicker. So it, it may sound weird, like oh well, you owe other people money but yet you're paying yourself but if you if you understand how to use it and you have that foundational level of knowledge and then it expands into a in-depth level of knowledge and then you're able to take that money and grow that money 
you get those dividends, you like I say, I got $3,054 in unrealized gain. So let's say if I was in debt, right, but I was paying myself and I owed somebody, you know, $1,000 or $1,500. But I kept paying myself first. I kept investing into myself. And now I go and pay that off in full. And then the remainder is still left all to me. Mm. And uh, another thing about investing is OPM, right? I don't know if you ever heard of that or if, or if you've done it before, right? But investing using an OPM or other people's money. I've done it before, right? Or I've taken a loan to go and own these things or buy these things or buy stocks or whatever. I made that money and the money I made or the interest I made on that money or the dividends I made on that money exceeded what I owe an interest to the bank for that money or yep. exceeded the total amount. I say, I remember at the beginning of COVID, right? I, I bought, um, I had a, a loan, right? I, I got something on margin, $10,000 worth of margin. I went and bought this one company that I wholeheartedly believe it in. And I still I had the liquid money to cover it. So that's why I did it, right? I'm that's not overextending it because I had the liquid money. I, I did it. I need it. So I got this $10,000 um, loan on margin. The stock I wanted at that time, it had dropped down due to COVID. It was like one, whatever, one something, right? So with that $10,000, uh, I forget how many, it was like, I think it was like 6,700-ish worth of shares, right? Mm. That I had on that. And then when the stock market rebounded, Guess how much I made in profit? Stupid amount. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to tell you right now. So uh, it was $10,000 worth of that, right? Yeah. Early on, so let's say April. Right now, that 10000 was like, because I bought it for one something at the beginning of April. That same stock closed at like four forty-five on Friday. That's what it closed at. That's three something dollars profit. Heard that, right? And so the money I was making far farly ex outseated or exceeded the interest I owed on that loan or the loan amount in general. So I still was able to come out with 20 G's all to me. And I didn't use my money to buy it. I used my money to leverage. Now you going into the weeds because a lot of people don't know that you can because like it's just like uh, options. You can sell something in the market and not spend a dime. Now you gotta be smart about it because there was that one kid, unfortunately, who did oh, suicide. Yeah, and he like the story is the kid he was buying options. He sold options. He short. He did a, a short sell, and when you short sell is when the market pays you for something, and when he did the short sell, the, the stock price went the opposite direction than it needed to go to make it super simple. And next thing he knows, he was a billion dollars in debt. And this was on Robinhood, unfortunately. And so he offed himself, unfortunately, because, I mean, he committed suicide, I shouldn't say it like that, because he didn't understand how you could sell something on the market and leverage other people's money. Like you said, OPM. But yes, there are ways in the market that you don't need the money to make the money. Now, people want to talk about our president all the time, but do you understand a lot of the president's money is OPM? (laughs) That's how we started. 
A lot of it was OPM. Oldest people money. I think when he opened up his casino, I think it was like $15 million, if I'm not mistaken. Before the company went bankrupt, it was other people's money. They just used his name. Mm. So his name was on the paperwork, but it was other people's money that actually invested. He found investors for this. But I think he, I think he still came out better. Even though the casino went bankrupt, he still made money. I forgot how. Dang, I wish I had that story. I think he actually came out with the $15 million that people invested anyway. Mm, yeah. I don't know anything about the, the president's personal finances or the history of his personal finances. I'm not here to, to harbor judgment against anyone, right? It's not I judgment. Just, I'm just saying how you I'm not here to, to pass judgment or to evaluate anyone. I'm just hey man, I'm, I'm speaking my story, right? I, I stay I stay focused in on Corey Smith moving to the right and Corey Smith soaring and progressing, right? And and um business is business. Yes. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people you have to realize, you know, the morals and, and ethics about certain things, right? So let's go back to earlier where I said during COVID for a lot of people, it was horrible. It was chaos, right? But for me, it was also a buying opportunity. For me as an investor, it was amazing. And some people may hear that and they might say, you're a horrible person. How dare you say that? This is one of the, the worst things that the world has ever seen. Right? So a lot of things may not make sense morally to people, but you have to have a different mindset or, or, or a lot of this mindset when it comes to business. Because a lot of times you can't mix business with emotion. That's why people panic so at the beginning of COVID. When they sold, I bought. They sold cheap. They sold at the bottom. Why would you ever sell at the bottom? I just picked it up at dollar cost average. I picked it up for cheap. My living expenses were already so low. I had enough liquid capital to, to continue to pay my bills. When the military, right? We're going to keep getting that money. So I kept paying my bills. I kept saving. I kept investing, right? And that was one of the ways that helped me get out of that $36,000 in debt to have over $70,000 in positive assets with no house, right? So, so now I have this level of knowledge when it comes to investing, right? So imagine I, I, when I go and buy my house next year and I'm doing the same things, right? But I'm using my investing skills. I'm using my dividends and I'm using house hacking and I'm using the, um, the BAH, how I mentioned I'll paint it off earlier, right? And I'm using all these things, right? So if I stay in the military another 13 years until I'm at my 20 year retirement, or if I want to go to chief and I stay for 30 years, mm. so another 23 years, imagining how much money I'm earning along with those military benefits, along with whatever the benefits I say, a resident of the state of Texas, right? And those that tax-free benefit for that mm. state. And then when I retire, I'm getting that retirement check mm. every month, right? E6 right now, but let's say I go to chief or if I even if I go to master. I still, I did the math on it, right, a while ago, and I was like, I think it was something to the tune of like uh, $115,000 or $120,000 every five years if I retired as like a master sergeant, and that's what BRS, right? So I would do that, and then I would have 13 years of, or actually 15 years of matching TSP, mm -hmm. plus $115,000 or $120,000 every five years. Mm -hmm. 
plus everything I had put into my my uh, my raw TSP mm. while I was in the military, plus all the money I was contributing every year into my Roth IRA. Right? Plus, plus all the money from my my other two investment portfolios. Plus your future. Right. Be- <laughs> See, it's exactly crazy. right. So me, I can retire from the military at age thirty-seven. At age thirty-seven, I, I keep forgetting you're so young. Right, age thirty-seven, <laughs> you can retire from the military. That's so, crazy. I'll be thirty-seven, turning thirty-eight when I retire. Yes. So let's say let's just say 30, 38. You could really be a millionaire super in the young. military. There's plenty, and that's why I, how I mentioned, like, I had to stop hanging around, or I had to stop surrounding myself by people from where I was in the past, and I had to start surrounding myself around people who are where I want to be in the future. So that's why I joined the the military to millionaire club. That's why I joined the uh, the ADPI, yep. the Active Duty Passive Income Club. Yep. That's why I'm in other investment Fire. groups with other. I have I have Slack investment groups, Discord investment groups with other just regular people with civilians with military people, and we talk money, we invest, and we do this and we do that. Because sometimes I don't have all the answers, or sometimes there's so many ticker symbols on on these exchanges. Right? Yeah. There's no way I could possibly know everything, but that's why we, we work and we always pay it forward and we collaborated with each other. And so, hey, when I win, you win and vice versa. I just learned about SPATs, man, which are uh, when a conglomerate is about to do a merger, they create a different ticker symbol. And that ticker symbol is just for like merging companies. So you can be an investor into the ticker symbol, which is the merging company. And if they merge together and shoots up, Along with the second stock prices, it's called an SPAC. I'm still learning this, so if I'm wrong or anybody's listening to it, my bad. But I was like, wait, what? What? You're telling, because like I was trying to figure out how to be like an angel investor. And this is one way in the market where you can become an angel investor if you can't actually uh, be an angel investor where you're talking to the company directly. You can do an SPAC. There's so much money here. <laughs> man, there's money in everything, man. There's money. For, there's millions and trillions and billions of gazillions of dollars, whatever it is. There's money out there. You just have to find a way to go, go get your portion of it. And That's why I started investing. Get, I'm getting my portion of it, right? So, thank you for talking to me. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop it here. We've been talking for a damn near two hours, so. Oh, wow, man. That's crazy. It went by so quick. <laughs> it did go it went by, by so quick. This is the education and what we're talking about is vitally important. You know, it's I I want you back on the podcast again. Definitely to talk about this um, because, once again, I say it all the time. I'm going to say it one more time since I, this is not a political podcast. This our <laughs> mental health is going to be politicized. <laughs> and if our money correlates to suicide and social economic status and we have to talk about it and so i'm going to go ahead and end it stay on the line for me once again this is your boy nation aka sean Zierra. that's s-h-o-n-z-i big e big r big a thank you and we out peace <laughs> <laughs>